CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Tracy Bell on our show today. Tracy is a career-long television reporter turned corporate exec turned startup CEO of Millennia T. She believes the story we tell ourselves and others is a potent tool for success in business and satisfaction in life. As a career communicator, including being a journalist for one of Canada's most watched newscasts, Tracy knows firsthand the powerful impact of story. Tracy has received national and international awards in communications and community relations, and also presents globally on the topics of innovation and pitching. She had a successful pitch on the television show that you might know called Dragon's Den, and recently closed a funding round that includes private, institutional, and venture capital investors. Tracy spent three months in New York City last fall as one of eight founders selected from around the world as part of the number one innovation accelerator globally for companies that use food as medicine. 
Originally from Southern Ontario, Tracy has lived in Atlantic Canada for more than 15 years and considers herself a full-fledged maritimer. Tracy and her husband, Rory, live in New Brunswick with their two awesome kids. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Kayla, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to just dive right in, Tracy. Let's just, let's go with it. So walk us through the most important thing you want our audience to take away from today's interview. Ooh, nice and hot just off a small hot. question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kayla, I believe that the things that we are going through in the moment are sort of the things that we have to teach other people. For So for me, my my takeaway and the thing that I would hope to leave people with is that clarity is kind. And what I mean by that is getting really clear with yourself early on in the business development and and sort of ideation stage, um, understanding the problem that it is that you solve, getting clear on your vision and really dreaming big, like bigger. I I wish I had dreamt bigger when we started this. Um, So getting clear with yourself, getting clear on your vision and where you're going and the impact that you want to have in the world. And then as you're hiring, as you're growing a team, being really clear with them and also with your supplier partners, with the people that you work with outside of your business, being really clear on expectations. I feel like early in business, mm. we just there, there's so much goodwill, right? You're, you're, you're little. You don't have a lot of influence to leverage with big supplier partners. And, and so you tend to keep things a little wishy-washy sometimes and not get super clear on what who's doing what and what the result is at the end. And so that would be the thing that I wish someone had really drilled home for me sooner. Um, and now it's something we're working on really, really a lot in, in my team. And and the only other thing, I guess I'm giving you two. Um, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> would, would be to make sure you understand the purpose to like come at business from having a great product or a service, certainly, but really having a purpose and understanding the problem that you solve or the value that you add to a group of people. And for us, the problem that we solved, the the value, the product we needed was sort of a really personal story. It was the answer to a really personal problem. And that's the impetus for for where our business started. Mm, So bring us back to that moment, to that the beginning of your business and when um, you identified this problem um, and this value add that you wanted to serve in the market. Bring us back to the very beginning. Sure. So for us, it started five years ago. Um, We I was, I was happily working in corporate, working my way up the ladder, if you will. Um, my husband's a pilot, and, and his father came over um, and, and told us that he had a cancer diagnosis. Um, fortunately, we learned several months later that it was a misdiagnosis, something entirely different. So good news for our story. But, but that incident was the first close encounter with cancer in our family, and it got us looking at things that we had never previously looked at, previously considered. Clinical things like free radicals, how they're roaming around in our bodies, and if they're not neutralized, can lead to disease, all kinds of disease. So we learned about antioxidants. We learned there's a powerhouse antioxidant found in tea leaves, and that it's highest in fresh-picked tea leaves. And so, we did a deep dive into tea and it led us to look for fresh 
tea. So not the dried stuff that sits on a shelf, but rather the fresh plant that grows in the field, because that's where the antioxidants and associated health promoting disease preventing powers live. And when we couldn't find anyone anywhere who could give us, who could sell us fresh tea, we were not okay with that. We were frustrated and we decided to solve that problem of sort of using a plant in its purest and most naturally powerful format. So getting getting rid of the processing as much as possible and having a pure product that, that helps in food as medicine, tea in particular, is really effective at, at neutralizing, at fighting free radical damage. And so that was our that was the impetus for the company. Um, and, and from there, that's led us on a journey where we spent lots of time in R&D, in lab testing, in sourcing, in creating an international supply chain, in doing creating a brand, and then the consumer, the market analyses, um, then getting a product into market, raising capital, and now looking, now we're at the phase where we're looking to scale. Wow. And, and just for our audience, what is a free radical before we proceed with anything else? Oh, so, okay. So as we are, are, we're cellular beings and as we age, we, our ability to fight the damage that happens within our cells, it decreases. And so by the time you're in your thirties, your forties, um, it becomes harder to fight that damage that's happened in our bodies. And so these so antioxidants neutralize that damage that's the free radical piece they neutralize that or they help to fight it they help to repair those cells um so that you it slows the aging process and there's a whole bunch of associated benefits that i could dive into but i'm not clinical and that's not what we're here for but uh but yes that's how it works very cool and and so this journey um you know identifying this this very emotionally powered problem that you were trying to solve uh, through this new business what did that journey look like shifting as a journalist and working in the corporate world to becoming a full-time entrepreneur what did that look like for you so i will say that i grappled with some real like feelings of inadequacy making that shift. I felt so confident in corporate. I, I knew what I was doing. And then you dive into business, into entrepreneurship. And I don't have an MBA. Um, but I think lots of people who start businesses don't have that formal business education. But there's a moment in time where you have to get over that. Um, and then for me, I worked in public, public affairs for an emergency services expert. Ex, an emergency services organization. And so I spent my time planning for worst case scenarios, mm. imagining what bad things could happen, and then making sure we were ready to respond to those in a way to keep public safety. So once I shifted gears into business, I kind of kept that same hat. I was like, I know how to do crisis planning. I understand stakeholder relations and I looked at all of those but I looked at it with a different lens and I'll tell you something that was hard for us early on in business was I was imagining the worst and I was planning for everything that could go wrong and I thought that that was the right way to buffer business and if if I could do it over again my goodness I would I would tell myself of five years ago Imagine all the incredible things that will happen and spend your time meditating on those and imagining the good you're going to do in the world. And, and the bad things are going to happen in business. 
business is like a heartbeat, right? It's always going up and down. And when it flatlines, when it goes straight, you're dead. And so in business, the bad things, the hard times are going to come. They will come naturally. So spend your time expecting and planning for the good things and then work on the bad things when they come, knowing knowing that they just happen to everyone. I love that business as a heartbeat. That that is a new one for me on the Startup Women podcast and beyond. I, I love that that sort of um, comfort with the shifts. That if as entrepreneurs we find ourselves getting more comfortable with the inevitable ups, the inevitable downs, um, but sort of sourcing that as feedback. That you know you need to to have those fluctuations also to know if you go, you're going in the right direction and you're not flatlining and becoming either irrelevant um, or you know you don't have quite the right business um, that that's going to succeed. So I love that that construction of of a business as a heartbeat. Very cool. And I and I feel like early on in business, people, I, I mean, it's trendy to say there is no such thing as failure. It's all learnings. <laughs> I, I joke about those things. Mm-hmm. But, but the quicker you can accept that when when you're talking to investors, if you're ever a company raising, raising capital, um, your investors want to see the road rash. They want to know that you've been resilient through really tough times. That's why they talk about, oh, is this your your first enterprise? Oh, get ready to fail because you're going to learn what you need to learn, which is just taking the failures, not ruminating on them, but taking the lesson really quickly and just moving on to the next thing. And we spent more time than I'm that I'm willing to admit trying to figure out what went wrong and why we why why these hard knocks came um and now when something happens i'm like what's the lesson here let's move on so coming back to the actual millennia t being so unique and innovative um, you know within the consumer packaged goods sector um, being so almost disruptive, I guess, within the tea space as well. Walk us through what that has looked like, um, you know, with farmers that that you have in Sri Lanka and and just the the what I can anticipate being a very complex supply chain for a very innovative product. Really peel back uh, the layers of what it has taken to build this type of business um, and new innovation with CPG. Happy to. We, uh, so we essentially take the traditional tea making model and we flip it on its head. We make tea in a way that is opposite the rest of the world. Tea is the most consumed beverage on the planet after water and really it sure is. I did that's a wow, okay, that's not hot for me today. <laughs> and we do it opposite the rest of the world. And so what that means is typically tea leaves, it's it's all one plant. So whether you are drinking a black a black sort of orange pico tea that you might put milk and sugar in or a high grade loose leaf green tea. It's the exact same plant. It's just how you cook the leaf that determines what the finished tea will be. So we use the same beautiful plant as traditional dried teas and it's picked and that's where the similarities stop. So instead of drying it out and and applying heat and cooking the leaf so it sits on a shelf and doesn't expire, we work with farmer partners directly to pick, wash, and flash freeze fresh picked organic tea leaves. So the process, um, essentially, we're talking to farmers in remote parts um, of the world, on the other side of the world, in, uh, in, in the highlands, in Kenya, 
in the rainforest in Bitaco, Colombia, now in the mountains in central Sri Lanka. And we work with them and, and, and we say, pick your best organic tea by hand. And then, then we work with a, a manufacturing facility that, that's a BRC certified plant that where only organic produce is allowed in the door. And then they wash and flash freeze the product on the same day that it's harvested. Um, so that's what we do. The reason we do it is it means we have created an entirely new global category of tea. We are the first frozen edible tea product. We believe in food as medicine. We think that that's the future and all the trends um, that you're seeing point to that that people are looking at the grocery store, the produce aisles, instead of the supplement aisles in order to get nutrition to fuel their activities and, and you know, and slow the aging process. And so we, the, the result is one serving of my tea will give you five times the antioxidants compared to a high grade green tea made from the same plant picked at the same time. Um, and you can use our product in ways that you would never consider using a loose leaf dried tea that's not washed. Um, so you can use us in smoothies and other recipes to sort of add antioxidants as well as some caffeine um, to give you that sort of clean green energy boost. And so challenges for us is certainly international supply chain, working with, working with partners who are in remote areas asking them to do business in a way that's opposite what they have already always done. Um, and then certainly frozen is not frozen is not easy. It's expensive and the mistakes, the learnings are expensive as well. And then once the product arrives here, my, so our work now is educating consumers about a product they have never considered before. When I say I make fresh tea or fresh frozen tea, there's not usually an image that pops into your mind's eye because you haven't ever thought about fresh tea before. And so we're trying to get people to imagine something they've never considered before. And you don't find us in the tea aisle. Um, hmm. We live in the freezer yeah. next to your frozen fruits and berries and sort of smoothie antioxidant boosters. There's not a frozen tea section, although we're, we're, we're working on that. Yet. Yes, there's not a frozen tea section yet. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we that's what we do. Wow. I, I love how you um, have positioned this disruption with so many different stakeholders that you're both, you know, educating a consumer that doesn't know about this type of product or has, uh, you know, if this is the, the secondary beverage that, that most people are consuming around the world, they think they have a familiarity with what tea conventionally is. You're, you're disrupting that perception. But then also with the farmers and distributors and, you know, all of the other um, components of your supply chain, you're also having to shift that behavior um, across that whole line, which I think is so interesting as well from an innovation perspective. Yeah, and I mean, we there was all kinds of IP associated with what we did, were patented in our process. Um, but I think I almost take it as a point of pride when people, once we, we explain what we're doing, why um, and how it will benefit, why we think it matters, you get the whole, that's crazy, that's a big job, why would you why would you take that on? And so I think building a business from a purpose led point of view is really important. So our, our mission 
is to establish a new global category of tea and the means for people around the world to get it easily because we want to fuel wellness. Um, and so, I don't know, I just, I just think it's really important to dream really big and have, have missions and visions, if you can, that have the potential to impact millions, if not a billion people. Let's solve really big problems. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I love that, Tracy. So, and, and in dreaming big, you know, many entrepreneurs dream very big of being at large food uh, retailers like the Sobeys, like the Whole Foods, where you are at across Canada. Um, what does it take to practically get there? What advice do you have for entrepreneurs that have these really big ideas um, and need to get, you know, potential buyers on board or large distributors or partners? Um, you know, part of your expertise is also pitching, as we mentioned in your bio. How do you make that pitch so compelling that you're able to grow and scale and bringing all of these um, potential distributors uh, sort of into your community? Right. Okay. So I'll, I'll bite that off in two pieces. Um, mm. If that works, Kayla. We- Go for it. So in terms of your big partners, if you have a product business and you want to get it on the shelf at your dream retailers, for us, Whole Foods, Sobeys are terrific partners. Um, I would just, I would encourage people to have great partners. Um, what I mean by that when it comes to getting on shelf is consider a broker consider someone who whose job is having relationships with buyers and so buyers at some of these large companies they don't I, I can be super compelling as a founder but I don't have the relationships with buyers and some of them while they want to know the founder's story will not take calls from mm-hmm. companies themselves and so work with a good partner there and have patience these are long sales cycles you might get a yes early on. We were, we were so fortunate. We got a yes from Sobeys early on, but then there are delays. Inevitably, there are delays, especially now with all of the, the, the unknowns still pertaining to the pandemic. And so the, the, lay, the lead time to actually get a yes and then get on shelf, it can sometimes be months or a year or more. Um, so that's important. And, and the other piece I would say is making sure that you have the investment to be in big retail because there are there are costs that you don't consider until you're in those conversations um, if, if it's your first time going into big retail. And so the cost to get the product on shelf and then the sort of the, the brand marketing aspects that you need to do. And the trade marketing aspects. And what I mean by that is just working with your retail partners on their different promotions because 10% of the work is getting on shelf, 90% of the work is getting off shelf and getting Mm. sales velocity, getting the terms in store, getting consumers to be able to find you, to trial you, meaning to buy it the first time and then become a lifelong loyal customer. So when it comes to getting in, these places and making that work. Those would be my sort of my, my key advice points. Be, be patient with yourself, um, get good partners and make sure you've got the financial backing to be successful, to help get your product off shelf. Because the worst thing a company can do is get a great, big, exciting contract. And then six months later, get kicked out because the product's not flowing through at the velocity that they want to see. 
That is such an excellent point. And often that that hustle goes to, you know, the big win to get on the shelf. And not that, you know, there are many breaks in entrepreneurship often, but <laughs> to, to consider the bigger picture that you have this sort of continuity plan that once you have that moment, um, how are you going to stay and, and maintain that real estate um, through both a very compelling product, marketing, all the things that then come in, in that part of the journey. Um, and for you, do you think that that experience in journalism and in, you know, corporate public affairs um, and in that space is what helped you really um, kind of manage both sides of that that coin that, you know, you have these great partners, but then you also had this great communications background. How did that skill set play in? Yeah, so I believe that my background, the way it helped prepare me for business in a, in a really important way is taught me the value of story mm-hmm. uh, because people people love a good story. People love a good story, especially of survival. And so if you have an important company story, you want you want to make that front and center. You want to put it in your sales decks and in your pitch decks. Um, I believe we are always pitching. Whether you're raising investment or not, you're pitching. You're pitching if you're trying to hire someone or if you're wanting to onboard a new supplier. You're pitching to new customers or clients. You're pitching to the bank or to the lending institutions that you want to help finance your your dream. You're pitching if you go to a business event or if you're trying to attract formal investment. And so my, my journalism background helped me to understand a, a few things. Um, the first was probably that it's always, it's not about you, it's about them. So don't mm. spend the time on the how you do what you do. Spend it on the value or the problem you solve for your customer and tailor it to that customer. Um, and I learned that if you confuse, you lose. Don't use jargon. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Just to stay away from the terms in your industry because you are probably, unless you're talking to a, a specific buyer for your industry, they don't understand when you're talking. If I talk, start talking about MCBs and planograms, you don't know. You might, you likely don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I live in my bubble. Um, and that people love stories, so so tell your story, but keep it simple. Um, keep it really simple. People don't buy the best products; they buy the products that they can understand the easiest. So don't Mm. confuse people. Keep it really simple. Um, And the other big one is don't bury the lead. In journalism, you lead with your, what is your value proposition? What's, what, how is the, the thing that you do? What do you do? Why should they care? And where do we go from here? That's your most important piece. And that's what, and that's what journalism and, and working in public affairs taught me. I love that. And seeing just so many entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs from so many different industries. Like, you know, you talk to engineers, you talk to communications professionals, uh, you know, those that worked in kitchens were, you know, everyone um, is capable of being an entrepreneur. You don't need that MBA. But all of this, this feedback, I think, is so helpful um, that you can inform your entrepreneurial journey from a really interesting lens based on this this past life that you had in a different industry. Uh, so that's such a great il- illustration from the journalism and and public affairs space. Very, very cool. Early in your entrepreneurship journey, me, I didn't drink tea before I started a tea company. Really? Um, I'm out to disrupt a global industry in the most consumed beverage in the world after water, and I didn't drink tea five years ago. Wow. So I think coming at whatever you're doing 
from the outside, from a beginner mindset, mm. instead of being the expert, it gives you, if you're an expert, you can maybe improve an industry 10 or 15%. If you're outside the industry and you see a problem and you are motivated, you are obsessed with solving that problem, you can, you can change a whole industry and, and you don't have to be in that industry. I think it's almost a benefit to come out, to come at business from not being the expert in your field. I, I think you find a problem that matters to you and, and you get passionate and then some, and, and I think we can all make big, big, valuable contributions in this world from that. I, that is such an interesting perspective. And, and coming back to your initial point about clarity, um, that as somebody who is approaching it as a non-expert, you're keeping things very simple because you don't have that expertise. You don't have the years of studying and knowledge or necessarily that investment in um, you know, a specific type of product or um, kind of that attachment to your to your person in, in you know, that, that expertise and that ego kind of perspective that you're almost approaching it um, from, from a really unique lens that serves the customer um, and this whole journey that you've been describing so beautifully. I love that piece of advice. What's next for you and the Millennia T team? You know, you're just uh, fresh off of um, a huge funding round with private institutional and VC investors. What's next for you? We are at the point where our work in the last sort of 18 months has been create a foundational team, get a product that can be consistent and scalable and and, and get your supply chain in order. And so we're we're at the point now where I've checked those boxes and the word of the year for me is scale, which means diving deeper into talking to our most loyal customers and saying, help us further clarify what is the problem solve we solve for you, how can we add more value, and how can we get you to tell all of your friends and family about Millennia T and, and looking at sort of that model of how do we scale. So tactically, it means increasing our velocity in retail. Um, so, so more turns in stores, getting our product flying off the shelves. Um, mass education. I haven't been able to mass educate mm. before recent times because we weren't available throughout Canada. Now we're available throughout Canada. So really putting to, putting to the test the marketing plans that we built during COVID in or really releasing them because now we have the now we have the products on shelf. And for us it's looking at our first export markets. And mm. if I'm going to if my team is going to fulfill our mission of establishing a new global category of tea and the means for people all around the world to get it, where are we starting to go next? How do we take our model that we've built and now make it international, make it global. Who do we need to partner with to have that really big impact now? So just a, just a few little things. Couple aspirations, a couple things on on the docket. That's that sounds so exciting, Tracy. And uh, I cannot wait to see this this journey and this evolution. Um, you'll definitely have a new consumer in me. <laughs> I drink a lot of tea. <laughs> Any final tips or takeaways? This episode is is chock full of of such helpful pieces of advice, Tracy. Anything else that you want to leave our audience with today? So I think I think the only maybe final point that I would say is. Business, we take ourselves so seriously and business feels like lots of times it feels like people call business my baby or we say, you know, this is life and death. I've got everything on the line. 
And I believe that the story we tell ourselves is what we, you know, if, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And so I'm really careful about what I tell myself. And so I don't use language like this is really hard or we're never going to get there or businesses, business is hard businesses. I don't walk around talking to other entrepreneurs saying, gosh, business is hard. eh? we, this is tough. I walk around pretending like business is easy and that the satisfaction comes every single day, not at the end. Um, and so my, I, that was a long winded way of saying, I would encourage you so much if you're listening to this to tell yourself a positive story and be kind to yourself um, and and expect the best and dream big. Dream big, expect the best and be kind to yourself. I love those takeaways, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast. And we cannot wait to see where Millennia T and your team goes next. That was such a treat. Thank you so much, Kayla. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.